so today, this is what we're going to talk about. A profound mystery. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. And I'm going to start, I'm going to read the passage first, and you will see why I'm feeling this title of it. I didn't just make it up. Okay, we're starting at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing before the through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hates his own body, but is feeds and cares for it, just as Christ of the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, here it comes. This is a profound mystery. That's very beautiful. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Right, so, as you can see, it's about marriage. Okay, just to start off, I just want to give you another little quick overview again of what we've been having in Ephesians. So we started off with looking at our new life in Christ. If you have the NIV, I don't know what Bible you have, but you have types of like spiritual blessings in Christ, to be made alive in Christ, and talk about all these wonderful things, all the, with, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm of Christ. And that he, uh, uh, he incomparable great power for us to believe. That power is like the world of mighty strength, which is served in Christ and raised upon the dead. So all these wonderful blessings that we have in Christ. And then we moved on to the new society, which is this church, where we are one in Christ. It's all about being in Christ and all that means to us. And then we moved on. We heard last week, Kenny uh, was preaching, on how we should behave towards each other. There's new standards, new ways of behaving in this world that we live. And then we come to this last bit that we start today, which is all about new relationships. And it starts off with husbands and wives, then it goes on to children and parents, then it goes on to masters and slaves, and at the end we have a famous passage about uh, spiritual warfare, which is being the spiritual power. So that's some kind of relationship as well that we have to talk about in our lives. Now, 
This is a bit of a controversial topic, yeah? And uh, the thing that people seem to major on all the time is a bit about why the French is a bit that everybody majors on. You're actually only a very small part of this passage, you know? And people think it's a really backward, old fashioned way of looking at things, you know, very chauvinistic and all that stuff. But it might surprise you or not surprise you, I don't know that actually the passage says exactly the opposite. It's not anti woman at all. It is actually liberating, it's actually encouraging to women. And the thing is, uh, we know that probably, anyway, but all through history, ever since we adopt, women, children, and workers have always been oppressed. Social injustice, oppression, and that's gone on ever since the year adopt. And it's still going on today. Women are exploited, children are exploited, workers are exploited all around the world. And that scenario that the former was speaking into, and he wanted to give new ways of looking at these things. And because when he wrote this, he was speaking into his situation, sometimes when we read it today, it sounds very old fashioned, you know, anti women, uh, very sort of male dominated. But it's not at all, because he was making a huge point against the way things were happening at the time and the things happening today. And that's what we're going to look at today, the actual freedom and rule and liberation that this way of looking at it brings. We shouldn't be hung up with some of the words that seem a bit old-fashioned and outdated to us. So that's what I want to look into today. Um, Marriage is actually a symbol, it's like a parable. And so, what I'm hoping is, I'm not just speaking to people who are married here, or want to be married, or have been married, but to everybody. <clears throat> because all the pictures that the Lord reveals to us in the Bible are meant for everybody. So, my prayer is that you will have revelation whether you're married, not married, single, hoping to have not a successful marriage. Wherever you are on the scale, but there is principles of truth here that apply to everybody. Because what God does, He uses a lot of pictures in the Bible, doesn't He? I mean, can you tell me some of the pictures He uses in the Bible to shout out to? Louder? Okay, go on. Shepherd. Yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, that it's so blatantly obvious that you probably can't even think of it. I mean, how many times have he uses the language of nature? You know, the rain, the rainbow, the symbol, he uses water and the picture of the spirit, fire, he uses rocks and stones, and the eagles, and the lion. Talks about the donkey, even. He talks about the ants, how they behave. Or then he, the, the way Jesus talks about himself, isn't he? Like, I'm mistaken. What did you just say? Well, not very good. Very 
is when he talks about himself. The bread of life, yes. The lamb. Lamb. I am. Yeah, the I am what? <laughs> the way the truth, the life, the heaven of them. The door, the gate, life of the world, the life of the world, the wine, the price. I mean, it's absolutely classic with pictures, right? To be honest, it's not a picture book. Everything is there is in picture language. Because it's almost like heavenly truth has to be put into earthly language, isn't it? And it gives us these symbols to help us. And last week, we had the Lord's Supper, didn't we? And that is a powerful picture uh, and how the Lord wants to communicate to us with the bread and the blood and how that represents his body and his blood and what that means. And you can never get to the end of it, can you? You can always see new aspects of it. And we saw last week, those of you who were here, and the Lord says to us, there is healing in that, even just in the ritual of doing it. I'm a great believer in rituals, and I think in the, in the sort of modern church, you know, we sort of grow through our today with the bathrooms, you know, because like the Catholic Church, the Church, they've got a lot of symbols. The trouble with all these things is that sometimes we lose the point, you know, the symbols of rituals become something for their own sake. And of course, that's never been the point. The point has always been that it should be a picture to communicate the truth. And it said in Corinthians, you know, you, you're sick or you're dying because you're not celebrating communion in the right way. So there is a power within actually doing and celebrating those things. Baptism is another one, isn't it? It's a picture of, you know what the picture is, baptism? Death and resurrection. and <laughs> Exodus going through the water, coming out the other way. All these picture languages, you know, everything that's happened in the Old Testament is actually one big picture language to illustrate what God wanted to tell us all this time. He's taking great pains to say this way, that way, the other way, and the other way, you know, so that everybody will get to the point. And marriage is another one of those symbols. An institution. It's like something to say it's a sacrament, like the Lord's Supper, like baptism. And so it's, it's obviously, it can be, there's a lot of very practical instructions about how it actually works in day to day life. But as a whole, that Christ and his church is Christ. That's the symbol. So it's like. You have some, Vance used to talk about this a lot, if you remember. He was really, that was one of his big copies because you have a heavenly and spiritual truth, a reality in heaven, and then you have something to match it on earth, yeah? something to represent it here on earth. But to bring those two together, that's what the Bible is literally all about. It's trying to bring that's what really my faith is, isn't it? To get all that. You may not be able to read all this, which is fine, but I wanted to show you this because this has been really helpful to me actually when I was studying this passage. Because you've probably read this passage before, I don't know, but if you haven't, it is actually quite confusing when you read it. 
It's not, not really easy to get hold of it, what the Paul is trying to say. He seems to be chopping and changing all over the place. And I, read, I saw this in one of the things I was looking at, and this guy, what he said that actually a helpful way of looking at this passage is looking at it, they call it a chiasm, apparently, and it's a way of writing. You know, like you have poetry, and where you have rhymes at the end, yeah? There's all sorts of different types of poetry. There's, what's that Japanese one called? Uh-huh. Haiku or something, and it's got a certain number of words, and it's got all these different types of rules. This one is apparently, it's like an X. And what it does, it, it starts off with a point, and then goes on, and then in the middle you come to the main point of the message, and then you almost go backwards again, the same way as you've come, come back to the end. And it actually really registered with me, and it was really helpful to me. So basically, so don't worry if you can't read it, but the way it works, if the passage starts off with talking about wives, that's the bit everybody seems to remember, yeah? So that my wife was supposed to meet their husband. And the interesting thing is actually, the verse before that, it says, submit to each other. It's mutual submission. And the interesting thing is that actually in this bit of the sentence, the word submit is not in it. The word submit in the original is only in the first part. And those two bits actually are one sentence. Submit to one another and then write to your husband. It doesn't repeat submit there, but it just was put in to make it understandable. But those two actually are one sentence, so it doesn't start off with this one, but somehow we always seem to focus on that one. So that's the first one. And then when you go to the last one, so that's A and A1, and the last one is, and the wife is to respect her husband. So that's almost like the first and the last bit. Everything in between is about the husband. So the big part is about the husband, not about the wife. So how we always get that out of what we're sick and only focus on the wife, I don't know. But that's how things are, isn't it? It's actually, the thing that exists to the wife is very small, actually. There's two very short sentences. He says, submit to her husband and respect your, your husband, right? Those two things. But everything in between is talking about how the husband is supposed to love his wife. And he really goes into great details about that. And what he does is basically linking the husband to Jesus. The husband is supposed to represent Jesus, how Jesus deals with his bride, his church. And what he does, he mentions, because in a way you should think, if, if, if the wives are told to submit and respect their husbands, you would expect, or that's what everybody thinks, is that it should say the husband should rule over the wife and lead the wife. But actually it doesn't say that. It says love. It's the love that comes out. And uh, what it illustrates is how Jesus actually loved and cared for his... Um, actually, go back again, sorry, um, to that cross thing. So I'm just briefly going through here. So 
it doesn't always match, but it's more, more or less matches. So for the husband, he's the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He himself is the savior of the body. And if you go down to B here, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, as, even as himself. The blue bit is the where it talks mainly about the law. D, uh, or, or C, in C, it says, He himself is the saviour of the body, and down here it says, Because we are members of his body, so it mentioned the body. In D, it says, But as the church is subject to Christ, and then it mentions the wives, and down here, For no one ever hated his flesh, that doesn't match totally. But E, it says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for him. And down here again, so husbands ought also to love their own wife and their own bodies. He's talking about love, 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 love all the time. He never says anything about ruling or authority or anything like that. And in the middle, that is the main point of the whole passage. It says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the work, that he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she would be holy and blameless. So all Jesus did, everything he went through, was to bring his bride to himself, and purify her, make her holy, make her perfect. That's what he did by going to the cross, by doing all the things he did. And that is the main point of this passage, that Jesus wants to have his bride for himself, wants her holy and blameless. And this is what the job of the husband is. So you've really got the cow for you, haven't you? <laughs> so you'll go on to the next one. So it, just to say again, it's about the big picture. So rather than getting all tangled up about how women ought to submit and what that exactly means, we will have a quick look at that, but it's not about that at all. It's about that heaven, the reality, the spiritual reality of what God intended all the while, he has to explain to us how do we ever get there, yeah? Uh, because in Hebrews it says a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. When he gave instructions to Moses how to build the tabernacle, it was only a representation of what was in heaven. And he says, see to it that you make all things according to the pattern which, has, which we have shown, I have shown you on the mountain. So God is very concerned that we get the right picture of what he really means. So if you go on to the next slide, and one of the things that get very misunderstood is, you know when it says that the husband is the head of the wife, what does that actually mean, head, to be the head? Now, when you look at it in the Greek, the original language, the meaning is actually not what everybody seems to imply. Headship. There's another word for authority, ruler, kingship, lordship. Headship, actually, the main meaning of headship is to be the source. It's to be the giver of life, the sustenance. It's the origin. 
That is actually the meaning of, of headship. Now, when you look at it that way, it gets in a completely different flavour, isn't it? Because then, as a wife, you know, when he says submit to that, well, I don't mind submitting to that sort of headship, do you? Someone who's going to promote me, give me life, sustain me, you know, help me. And you know, when the woman was created back in Genesis, he was created to give Adam a helper. Now again, people interpret that as putting women down, but actually it's not at all, because that word, to be a helper, so basically if Adam couldn't do it, he was say, oh goodness, it's quite simple. He wasn't complete. He needed a helper. And that word helper is actually used for God. Now has anybody ever thought God, we're putting God down by using that word? I don't think so, do we? If the word is good enough for God, it's good enough for us, I reckon. So, but that's the thing. It's, it's this mutual submission to each other that is encouraged here. And the, to be quite honest, I mean, uh, it, is, it is difficult for us as women to get it right. And I will um, talk about that in just a minute. And it's, been, it's certainly been a struggle for me to res- respect my husband and what that actually means, you know, because I reckon just walking here, I, I thought, when I got married, I think I got married to two people. I got married to this lovely man over there, I will call him up in a minute, as my witness. <laughs> the man in flesh and blood, but I also got married to this figment in my imagination of what I wanted, of what I thought I got, of what I thought I needed. And it's been We've been married for 25 years, I've got the ring to prove it here, silver, remember? <laughs> we had our silver jubilee uh, in November. So I think I'm qualified to talk about this. It's been quite a struggle to bring those two together, you know, the, the real bride and the one that I had in my head. And that has been quite hard work, believe me. A lot of suffering and tears on my part. <laughs> I, I would give him a chance to say his part as well. So, but, so, the, the passage, you know, and it's this thing where it says in Mark, it says, uh, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high official exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must become a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, he came as a servant, and that's, so the challenge to the husband is actually quite much bigger almost, because he has to represent all this stuff that Jesus represented. But it is for both, and the passage in Philippians, I'm sure you know that one, um, in Philippians 2, where it says, Then do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now that is the heart of Christ, isn't it? And that is a hard job because we are destined to be selfish, basically. You know, that is in our heart, in our mind. And it takes a whole lifetime to reverse that. And it's this upside down kingdom, isn't it? How did get, how did Jesus gain the victory? He didn't they always wanted him to ride in and dispose the Romans and kill them all and be the king. No. He went on the cross, he died. Welcome to him. Let's hope we come. It's the total opposite of what the world thinks it should be, isn't it? How do you how do you become an authority by banging on somebody's head, using violence, power? No. Jesus' way is the servant way, you know, washing your feet. But that's how he got authority, and that's what marriage is supposed to represent. And it's not an easy thing to do, you know. And the world will watch. People will watch. So our marriage to Brian, it's a, it's a personal thing. But it's more than that. What we do as a couple affects the world around us. It has a huge impact on the world around us. And just go to the last slide, yeah? And this is the major thing about this passage, isn't it? That he, Jesus, wants to present his... He wants his, what, his bride spotless and clean, but she doesn't get there by herself. He has to get her there. He has gone through all his trouble. And in the end, I thought that was quite a helpful way of looking at it, you know. It's, he did come to serve us. He did come to minister us, to bless us. But in the end, it's about his glory. That's what it's all about. That's the whole point. So, uh, so the glory of God is the ultimate goal of Christ's sacrifice, not the blessing of mankind. It's quite good to remind ourselves, even though that's what he does. That's what he does. But it's, he started it off in the first place. It was his choice to do what he did. So, and this is like a picture of what marriage is. This is like a parable of how, and there's a lot more that could be said about how that actually, when you go through it verse by verse, you know, how that practically works itself out. But I thought I'll, I'll call up some young man here and uh, get some witnesses because Come on then. Mr. Foster. <laughs> and what I did is I dug out our vows. This is the original vows we used 25 years ago. It was actually typed in a typewriter still. You think that's computers in those days? And I just wanted to see whether it worked. Does it actually work? You know, that's this thing that's promoted here. Does that actually work in real life? So, I'm going to ask Brian to repeat part of the vow that he did for me 25 years ago, right? And then we'll see whether we... Now, the, the vows were two pages long, so we, 
I'm not going to put you to the whole lot of it. Yeah, I'll just brain time first. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you could just read this bit here, section C, prunes. This is blackmail. <laughs> I did tell him that I was going to ask him, but I don't know what he's going to say. So I hope he's not going to start show me up or anything. I call upon God and these friends here present to witness that I, Brian, Anthony Foster, take you, Verena and Luca, to be my lawful wedded wife whether in the future our circumstances are good or bad, whether we are rich or poor. Well, actually, we're meant to look at each other, <laughs> Whether we are rich or poor, whether you are in sickness or in health, I promise you with God's help to love you, to serve you, submit to you, honour you and protect you and to bring out all the good gifts that God has given you and to help you to become all that God wants you to be and to be a faithful husband until Jesus comes again or death passes. So the thing I want to bring up particularly is the bit where it says and to bring out all the good gifts God has given you and to help you to become all that God wants you to be. And I said the same thing to him. Now, Brian, have I brought out all, what did I say? <laughs> have I brought out all the good gifts God has given you and have I helped you to become all that God wants you to be? I say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because we're, we're still on the journey, that's, that's why. We're still on the journey and we're still, I mean, I know some people have had conversations with Verena um, and she will say, some of you, just put your hands up if you heard Verena say, it's taken 25 years for whatever, yeah, so there's a few people. So it, it's a journey and, um, uh, and I think the, the key thing is, is obviously growing together, relating together, and, and in the back of your mind, understanding what your, your role is. Can I just share a couple of... Yeah, 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 be a bit more specific there. Okay, what I mean by that is, is the whole thing about... When I, when I started to understand this passage, I just went... <gasps> because the, the, the onus, and I've said it a number of times, the onus is, is on the man. So, obviously, I look at myself and all I can see is failure. Some successes. So, it's, it's a mixture of both because we're, we're both growing. But when it first impacted me was I went to a, my first Ictus wedding and they preached on that very passage. So, it was unpacked for me. And there was a lady who, um, who was a, a close friend at the time and she had some really bad experiences with, with, with men, in relationships. And 
during the, the months that I knew her, if we're in a house group setting or, or in church, if I sit next to her, if there was a mention about man, that was one thing, uh, she would start grumbling. If the passage was a bit negative, or it said all men are liars, she would say amen. That's all the thing. But when she heard how this passage was unpacked, she, she was quiet. She started off with a usual thing, and then she went a bit quiet, and then she said, if I met a man like that, I'd be happy to submit to him. Yeah. So that's when it really hit me how important the, the relationship with the, the, the man is um, in, in, the, in the marriage, about him trying to you know, live out that role as, as loving his wife the way Christ loved the church. And the second example, and, so, uh, and I, I know I've mentioned it before, but it's, it's good repeating stuff, was when I was uh, in, in one of the places of work, there was a guy who um, I knew he was searching, um, but the way he, he tried to kind of get around the fact that he was searching was to kind of challenge me and, and literally stand in my face and say, what about this, what about that? And he came up and he said to me, doesn't the Bible say that wife has to submit to, to her husband? What do you say about that? And then I said to him, if you read the passage, if you knew the passage, but I know he didn't read it, it was just the understanding that he had, it actually said that you have to submit one to another. And then his, his eyes rolled a bit, and then I said, and further, it actually says that the, the husband should love the wife the way Christ loves the church, and the onus is on the husband. And he went quiet for a little while, and then he said, if I knew that, I'd still be married. That's what he said. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, thank you very much. So, uh, yes, thank you very much, Brian. So, uh, so that for me, the whole journey was really about learning to trust him, because it's one thing if you say that on your wedding day, you know, it's another thing to, to walk it out every single day. And the thing is, I used to be really scared of him, you know, I was, literally, I was really afraid. But the reason was, it hadn't anything to do with him, it had to do with me. Because I had to learn to trust him. Now because he used to just look at me in a certain way. I, in my mind, I was already packing my bags, we were getting divorced, our marriage was <laughs> I was leaving, I was taking the kids, going home to fix it. And that happened lots of times, because I just, I was quite insecure in a way. I, I didn't know that he really meant what he said, or I couldn't receive that. It's that love bit, isn't it? And it has to prove in every single day. And it took me literally 25 years. Oh, I, it's true though. It, I feel now I can actually start really enjoying it. Because it's been such hard work for me for the last 25 years. Don't forget we're all, it's been nice as well, but a lot of things happen to me during this, and this is this thing, this process of purifying you, sanctifying you, making you into this bride, what Jesus has done with the church. And the way, uh, the way Brian has dealt with me over the last 25 years is gone parallel in the way I look at the Lord. Because as I have learned to trust him more, and he has proven that that trust, I can rely on it, not just words. Something happened in my heart, you know. It's become more solid. And now, I think I'm not afraid of him anymore now. But it's take, because 
I know, I know now, it's true, you know, what he said is true. Whereas before, I could never, I was never really 100% sure. Is it really true? Or is he going to someday turn out to be this horrible person, you know, turning on me or whatever? And it took a long time to develop that trust. And it is a walk of faith, isn't it? I mean, when you got married, you don't really know the person, honestly. It was really like a figment of an eye imagination I got married to, quite honestly. And I had to learn to not put expectations on him, you know, that sort of thing. And I had to learn a new language, how to talk to him, because he used to get really offended the way I challenged him. He used to get really hurt. I thought I was just stating the obvious. But actually, I was really hurting him. I was offending him. I was undermining him. And the more I've learned to accept who he is, because mm -hmm. that's the one thing he's always used to say, I'm not perfect. And I suppose I knew he wasn't perfect, but in my head I wanted him to be perfect. I wanted him to be this perfect human being. <coughs> and the more I learned to accept the way he actually was, the more I, suppose I brought a picture that God had of him, a line, in a line with the picture I had of him, and it, but in the end, hopefully now it's all one person I'm married to, rather than my imagination, God's imagination, just body, flesh and blood. It's sort of more merging into one. And I think that's what Jesus does with his church. Can I just say something else? Oh, okay, anything else? I think one of the key... Oh, sorry. That's all right, you One of the key things which, which I learned, which was when... Um, when I became a Christian, um, I, I, you know, repentance is turning. It's, it's basically changing your mind. That's what repentance is. It's turning around. It's changing your mind. And I had to change my attitude towards women. Okay. So, so there are lots of things. I won't go into detail. But one of the things that uh, became very, very clear to me was I had to be true to who I am and not try and be someone else. Mm -hmm. So had I, had, had I tried to be someone else, then it would have totally messed up the figment of her imagination anyway, because I would be pretending to be someone else. She would have had an idea of who she wants this person to be, and then on top of that, she would have seen the real person. So right from the start, I was just being myself. And, uh, and I hope that during, during that time, she could see that I was just being who I am. But it took a long time for me to actually to accept that and respect that. And that's, so I hope this has been helpful, not just to married people. Yeah. 
passport. We say 85% is that of is the man's fault because this women submitting to a man, most men want that to be done. In their minds, they want that that should be what a woman should do. Always submit to them. Please forget my culture. My culture is a far end. They call. They want a woman to submit to them. But they do not know what you have just explained, the spiritual orientation of what you have just explained. And that the work of the work is with the man. That I have 43 years of marriage today is because my husband got a grip, a grip of this. And that's what he does. He lost me to a point that I cannot submit. You see, the man has to love the woman. You will have to love your wife. Yes. To a point that the woman cannot bear submit to you yes. in all ramifications. Amen. Amen. So this is very interesting. This is something that needs to be talked more often to help marriages. Yes. Young ones, the ones yet to marry, the ones who intend to remarry. The job is more for the man. What Christ did for the church, if a man can die in his marriage, he will have a standing marriage. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yes, so I think I've approached the close there. And, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I pray that it, it, uh, it was life and life giving and uh, sustaining work to everybody here, wherever you are on the scale, you know. In Jesus' name, so Lord, I pray that uh, your word that gives life, Lord, will uh, sustain us, feed us, Lord, whether we are male or female, Lord, we all have our part to play equally, Lord. There's no distinction between male or female. That's what you've clearly said in your eyes. We're all the same. And we're all relying on you and your power and the words to bring us to this. And we are all together the bride of Christ, male and female, all together we are your bride, that you are purifying, sanctifying, making spotless without wrinkle, Lord. And so have mercy on us as we can implement that on the day-to-day living, Lord, in our practical lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week. And God bless.